Good morning. It is Kale and Company live right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. A delight to have you with us on this election day, 2023. Both Concord and Manchester electing new mayors on this Tuesday. So get out and uh, exercise your constitutional privilege and vote for the candidate and candidates of your choice. The polls in Concord open until 7 o'clock this evening. Kale and Company presented by Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. And we welcome you to our monthly segment with the New Hampshire Insurance Department. And today, we are going to visit with the department's property and casualty director, James Fox. James, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Uh, Great to be here. It is our pleasure. And uh, remember, if you have any questions regarding your insurance coverage, the New Hampshire Insurance Department's Consumer Services Division is here to help you. You can contact them by emailing consumerservices at ins.nh.gov or calling 800-852-3416. And you can learn more at nh.gov slash insurance. And this morning... Uh, we're going to touch on the New Hampshire Insurance Department's uh, work to protect our senior community and uh, folks from all walks of life, for that matter, from deceptive practices. And, uh, James, let's uh, start off, first of all, talking about uh, consumer gar- uh, guarantee contracts. And are they always deceptive, as some people think? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's a great question, and it's definitely a great lens to look at uh, uh, deceptive practices. Uh, so the first thing I think we should look at is what are consumer guarantee contracts to make sure people understand. Um, so if you actually go, you know, if you think about this, the issue of warranties, so let's say if you buy a car, you get a warranty with your car. That's not something the department uh, regulates. Warranties have never been regulated by any insurance department. Um, but then um, after the initial warranty, uh, some companies, either the, let's say in cars, either the actual dealer or third parties, uh, will send what's called, will sell you what's called an extended warranty. And that's, uh, that is the service contract. So those are service contracts um, along with uh, if you buy any consumer uh, product, a lot of times that when you're purchasing it, they'll ask you, would you like an extended warranty? And generally, all of those products, whether it's a car or a phone, are designed to uh, to address defects in the product, wear and tear in the product, if you have a power surge or you have accidental handling. Um, now, that's not all of this is not traditional uh, insurance, um, so it's a little bit different, um, but it is definitely uh, becoming more and more prevalent um, uh, in the marketplace. Uh, and um, so... Uh, with that, we've uh, we've had a statute here at the department that's addressed this since 2004, uh, but more recently uh, we have um, increased our focus on it, especially I would say in the last probably year. Um, and I guess you know the reason why we've it, why we increased our focus on that uh, is because particularly so if you buy a, a car from Ford and they offer an extended warranty that's actually from Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not something um, we've had as much concern about. But with these third-party sellers, um, we've had um, some concerns with their marketing practices and then actually knowing who they are. 
Um, we've kind of teamed up with AARP, particularly with seniors. Uh, if you're a senior, you may have seen um, a flyer in the mail um, that says, you know, you, you, you have not contacted us to uh, activate your uh, service contract. You know, you're, you're in danger. Your car is not covered, those types of things. Now, I would say in this, in this space, as to the issue, are they always um, deceptive? They're not always deceptive. You know, there are good companies, and that's great. There are, then there are kind of the gray area companies who um, are registered with us, so all the companies have to register with us. And then there's the bad companies, the, the real true scam companies that are not even registered with us. Mm. But one of the – go ahead. So no, I was just going to say, but uh, the, there is a difference between a, a guarantee contract and and a warranty. Yeah, th- th- yes. Mm. So warranty is, is something like when you buy a car or something, or right. th- those are federally regulated, so they're not regulated by insurance. Not considered insurance. Probably in a different world, you could they could have been considered insurance. Most insurance is regulated at the state level. Um, so yes, it, it is a different product. It's you know in the statute um, that we have, it's it's for extended warranties, which are basically service contracts. It's something that's sold at a, for a separate uh, sale um, to consumers for consumer goods. So it's a pretty narrow area, but uh, unfortunately, um, this once kind of pure product uh, that was sold by uh, good sellers uh, is, if you think about it, it's pretty easy to to uh, run a scam on that, uh, to defraud someone by simply either through a mailer um, telling them they should call mm-hmm. you, and then we've had situations where seniors have called, and they, uh, you know, they've got the sales pitch, and then they they get concerned or they're confused. They think maybe they're registering their car sometimes, uh, so they get out their checkbook and they read their their you know their um, their check numbers, their their bank account number, and their routing number, uh, and then all of a sudden there's money withdrawn from their account, uh, which then results in two problems. One, they they don't they never get a contract even. Uh, it is just a pure scam, and then also their phone number and then their their banking information is kind of in the system. Uh, and we've had people subsequent to that uh, have like attempts to withdraw thousands of dollars. So this kind of came to our attention, particularly through the the mailers that we, that people were receiving. We we received complaints about them, uh, and then people here we started internally um, asking people to if they had any been receiving any. Uh, and then at that point, we tried to run down who everybody was because a lot of these mailers don't even have anyone's name on it, but they have a phone number. And so we regulate this space. So we call. We say we're the New Hampshire Insurance Department. We regulate in this area. We're trying to figure out exactly who is the uh, party behind these. They're called obligors. Uh, people hang up on us. People are rude to us. Um, so basically, we've taken all that information, and particularly with seniors, uh, you know, we, we felt we needed to basically – uh, step into this space a little bit further uh, and r- do a little heavier regulation. Um, if you go back to the origins of the statute in 2004, it was always viewed as here at the department as regulation light. We took the names of the companies and we, in the statute, it says they must do a few things, uh, but we never reviewed the contracts and we didn't really. Uh, require that the uh, advertisements have the actual sellers' names on them, and I'm sorry, the obligors and the sellers concluded. Um, so we're in essence going much heavier now uh, and more like insurance mm-hmm. and making sure that we have enough information so we can protect the consumers. 
So obviously there has been a, 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 a good deal or, or at least some fraud in this area. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't be as concerned about it as you are. Yeah, I would say, it, it, you know, I've been with the department for about 12 years now. And um, I, I would say that this space has resulted in um, these products in more fraud than any other product that I've, I've ever seen here. It's, it is uh, really unfortunate that we have, particularly seniors. I mean, if I, I'm 56. If I, if I got one of these at this point in my life, I just, you know, throw it in the trash. Um, but, you know, if I get it, a lot of times it's like a postcard. There's no one's name on it. It's just like you got to call, you know, you know, be careful. So I would just throw that away knowing it's probably a scam. But when, when, when seniors, especially seniors, you know, when, you know, the, dementia starts and they kind of decline much later in life, then, you know, they're not sure. Uh, so so they, they, they want to protect themselves. So they make phone calls and they're more easily fooled. Uh, and then, as I said, they, they give out their information and then um, it's hard to, to unwind it. And they have to, you know, we've had stories where people have to then go, uh, you know, cancel their, their checking account uh, and then try to open a new one. So you have someone in say, in their 80s, I mean, if you picture that, someone's in their 80s, and all of a sudden, their their banking information's out there, and, you know, they hopefully they have a relative or, or someone that's helping them, and then they have to then go open up new accounts and then switch all of their all of their payments over to the, those accounts and get checks, and it can be, it, it can it can throw someone's life into, into either you want to call it shambles or disarray. So when our, you know, Commissioner Betancourt um, kind of, heard about this he made it uh, kind of his one uh, a frontline issue for him that he's like we need to uh, make sure that the seniors in the state are, are, are more protected than they currently are well um, we will continue uh, with James Fox in just a moment and talking about a very uh, Im- important issue uh, in this state and uh, and all others uh, as well and uh, we are trying to help out our our senior population because uh, many of them uh, have been deceived uh, uh, by these uh, guarantee uh, you know uh, service contracts and warranties that you know in, in many cases they do not need and, uh, and and maybe sometimes they are you know pressured into getting something that they don't really uh, you know need and uh, certainly uh, it's a, at uh, many times a huge expense so we will uh, take a quick break and be back with more James Fox will uh, continue with us after the break as we do our weekly or I should say monthly check in with the New Hampshire Insurance Department and we'll be right back right here WKXLNHtalkradio.com stay with us welcome back WKXLNHtalkradio.com it is our monthly segment with the New Hampshire Insurance Department and James Fox is with us the New Hampshire Insurance Department's Director of Property and a Casualty. And uh, James, great to have you with us today. And as you pointed out, uh, Insurance Commissioner D.J. Betancourt has made this one of his top priorities in investigating any shenanigans that is uh, going on and uh, impacting everyone in the state, uh, but uh, with a, a special emphasis on uh, the seniors. 
And uh, I would imagine the instances of of this type of fraud, James, has uh, only gotten worse uh, over the years with uh, emails to people, fraudulent emails, text messages, phone calls. I, I'm sure uh, due to that, uh, this, this has become a, a larger issue. Yeah, I would say um, w- one of our concerns here is it's almost like, a, as you're saying, that's like a, a, like a silent concern. It's, uh, it's you know, if you're a, a senior um, in your 80s and, and, and you're, you know, and you're, and you're trying to, um, you know, handle your affairs by yourself, um, you, you might re- take one of these phone calls from a scam person give out your, your information, and they may charge your uh, bank account, for example, either once or, or monthly, and, you know, you don't receive anything uh, in the mail, like a contract. You should get a contract, but you, you wouldn't from a scam person. Uh, and then if, if, if that person is not checking their checking account, so if it's your relative, for say, then they they don't really like think about it that much. It just it's just money coming out of their account, and then if if they don't have anybody else helping them, then this scam kind of continues on and on and on without a lot of uh, anyone really knowing about it. Uh, so I think that was one of the things that really concerned us. We seemed a large uptick in the number of mailers, the number of calls. I mean, when a senior gets on one of the one of these lists as a, a potential scam person, then they get a ton of calls. Their phone call, their phone can ring all day long, yep. and then the thing they have to do there then is they also need to change their phone number. So you have some, you know, New Hampshire resident who's had say the same phone number for, you know, forty, fifty years, and that that person then needs to change their number uh, to try to to stop the phone calls. So. Really, what we're trying to do now is to do this outreach, which we're doing here, and then also try to uh, go to the uh, residential care facilities. We've worked with AARP to try to get the word out, not just to um, seniors, but also to to relatives of seniors that, like, if you have um, a parent who's up in age, you really should look at their bank account and see, you know, what money's coming out and ask them if they know why. And if there's something that they don't know why, there usually is some um, contact information. And anything that looks like it might be uh, a service contract, uh, then you should call us. And uh, Keith Nine used to be the director of the consumer teams, now the becoming the the deputy commissioner, um, I think next week, uh, has done a great job uh, unwinding these uh, contracts and also uh, allows us to identify um, the really bad actors and go after them and then um, get them out of the state. So that is really the push, is to, is to get the, the word out there, get the information back, and then be able to get this under control so we just have the, the good actors in New Hampshire. I mean, there are good companies that sell good products, sure. yeah. but we need to get it down to that, that group of people. And that's actually, if you went back to the, you know, the New Hampshire Insurance Department's been here since the 1850s. And the reason we were created in the 1850s was because of fire insurance contracts that were being sold and, and were they, a lot of them weren't worth anything. So that the, we, you, know, you had to have an insurance, insurance department to regulate in this space to make sure that the actual insurance company uh, contracts are you know, from companies that are solvent and can actually respond. So that is really almost like you fast forward to today and we're kind of 
doing the same process with uh, these uh, service contracts, extended warranties. They have a lot of different names, but basically, if you have a consumer product and some third party is trying to sell you something to protect in case it it breaks or it's defective, you're probably talking about a service contract. So basically, we're go- almost going back in time and and, and trying to apply. Um, some of that in this area, and as the commissioner always says, hit the sweet spot so we're not overburdening um, the industry, the good actors, but we're also able to find the bad actors and get them out of the state. That is the goal, is to push them out of the state and make it so they don't want to you know, be in New Hampshire because it's too difficult. Well, I tell you what, James, I, I am of a certain age, and I, I, tell you, I can't tell you how many calls I get daily that, uh, you know, come to my phone. I have no idea uh, where it's coming from. Sometimes you find out, you know, it's coming from Galveston, Texas, or somewhere in Iowa, or wherever it may be. And then sometimes it pops up, scam likely. I mean, I, I never answer the phone unless I know who's calling me. I, I, I never never do that. And uh, But, you know, some people, you know, uh, automatically answer it no matter what it is. But, uh, you know, there are just yeah, I so think many I, scam calls out there. I mean, that, yeah, that's a really good uh, example, Ken. If, if you take a look at it, so currently that's what you do, and that, that makes sense. But, like, you know, as you get older, even, even older, at some point you may lose the ability. Not everybody does. When my grandmother died, she was clear as a bell. But then you lose the ability to go, oh, this is a scam, don't answer that. You start... You're home more often. You have like almost someone to talk to. So you, you're more likely to say, "I'm going to answer that phone call, see what that is." Right. Uh, and um, so that's like that's one of our concerns. As, as you know, as people age, they get they they kind of you know not everybody, but um, just a certain portion of people lose the ability to kind of cipher through like what's you know a scam and what is. It, even if the phone says scam, um, they answer, they start talking, and then they start giving out information they shouldn't be giving out. So um, yeah, this 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 um, phone call phenomenon is something that's I think a little bit a little bit more recent, and uh, uh, I think it's something we really have to try to to again try to do everything we can to push out of the state. Um, and it isn't I mean I would say it isn't just in the consumer guarantee contract land. There is also um, people trying to say they're they're licensed insurance companies trying to sell different insurance type products. Um, but for right now, uh, this is. This one is the one we think we can try to address uh, and work with AARP and, uh, and work with you know your station and uh, and try to to improve things and try to get the word out because we we don't think the word's out. So a we're trying to get the word out and b um, we're trying to we're at the legislature and the commerce committee, um, which if anybody's never been to to the legislature, they should definitely go. You you mentioned I heard you were talking about the elections, um, but in, and on the state level, uh, if you get a chance to uh, anybody out there go to go to the actual legislature, it's a it's a it's a citizen legislature and then watch them operate it's it's uh it's definitely worth uh worth doing and uh we're there uh trying to change um the commerce uh the um consumer guarantee contract statute again as i said to do basically three things uh one is to we're going to we're going to receive all the contracts that are valid contracts in the state and review them we're going to know everybody who's selling contracts and who are the obligors that's like the insurance company in this world behind them and we're also going to put in uh, more prohibited acts things they're not allowed to do which are the high pressure sales tactics the misleading language um any unsolicited calls and mail we're going to basically make all of that um as much as we can through the legislative process specifically illegal in the state of New Hampshire, which then gives uh, our uh, enforcement team here um, more, I guess I'd call it, teeth to go after these companies. That's 
um, another one of our goals. Well, I tell you, and also just going back to the the scam calls, I think these perpetrators have tried to localize things, and and many times now the scam calls are coming with the six hundred three area code attached to it, and I I can see where where people would say, oh, it's it's in New Hampshire, I must know who this person is that's calling me, uh, you know, so they they've done a good job in that as well, trying to make people think that it's somebody they should know. Yeah, I think you know this is going to be. Uh, I, I would say at this point, this is this is what we're what we're trying to do at this point is, is step one. But you're absolutely right. It, you know, it is like uh, the state regulators. They 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 make things. They they're, they're trying. We're trying to tighten things up. But then the you know the the, the fraud companies are going to like you know they're going to try to change their you know their tactics and and still try to come at New Hampshire. I think so. Basically, then we're going to go back to legislature. And I know we're committed to this as a, a long term. Um, project to to keep changing as much as they change, we're going to change to to keep going after these people because this is a huge problem. Well, James, you've shed a lot of light on uh, what the New Hampshire Insurance Department is is doing in in this regard, and we really appreciate it uh, because uh, there are people who uh, are being taken advantage of with you know high pressure sales tactics. Uh, impersonation of uh, you know uh, the the companies that uh, are being represented here, fear mongering. James, we'll have to have you back because uh, you're an outstanding guest, and we appreciate it. That's always fun to be on campaign. All right, and uh, again, uh, if you have any issues regarding. Uh, insurance coverage of any kind. The New Hampshire Insurance Department's Consumer Services Division is here to help you. You can contact them by emailing services at ins.nh.gov G-O-V, or calling 800-852-3416 or learn more at nh.gov slash Insurance, And our thanks again to James Fox, the New Hampshire Insurance Department's Director of Property and Casualty. We will take a break. Kale & Company continues after these words here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live for this Tuesday, Election Day 2023. Get out and vote. Polls in Concord open until uh, 7 o'clock tonight. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, joining me on this Tuesday morning as we approach Veterans Day weekend is Scott Hyder. And uh, Scott, good morning to you. Good morning, Ken. How are you? I am terrific. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, by way of background, Scott is a, a disabled veteran who served 10 years in the United States Army as a combat engineer. Uh, in 2004, he was honorably discharged with the rank of sergeant. And during his military career, he was deployed to Kosovo during the Balkans conflict, as well as Kenya and Panama for peacekeeping missions. And and we certainly uh, appreciate your service and thank you for that, Scott. No, oh, thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. Then on June 10th, 2012, uh, after not hearing uh, from your brother Nick for a few days, uh, you drove to his home, and uh, Scott, uh, please take it from there. So um, a little background, me and my brother, were, we were uh, 
Uh, we were best friends. We complimented each other. But as siblings, we butted heads a lot. You know, like it's just normal brother brother things. Um, and my brother and I talked every day. So on a Saturday night, I was a police officer, and I'm retired now. Uh, I was working a detail, and my brother was uh, optimistically happy. He was just not himself overly happy. And I talked to him that Saturday night, and I said to him, Hey, uh, i got to get back to work. I love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And he says, yep, I love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. So Sunday, I didn't hear from him. Uh, Monday, I didn't hear from him. Tuesday, and my brother was always a busy person, always, you know, kept uh, busy. And so Wednesday, I said, something's up. And so, like I said, like you said, I, I drove to his house, and I found that my brother had taken his life. Um, and that kind of set me off to it. Like, it triggered me to a lot of my adolescent trauma, and a lot of military trauma and trauma I was experiencing with the police department. It really kind of set me in a downward spiral to where I didn't realize what post-traumatic stress was, and I didn't realize what depression was. So I had really started to suffer um, with that. So uh, eventually what happened was I had actually started to get involved with suicide prevention um, to try to help people understand uh, what it's like to experience um, losing someone to suicide, especially a loved one. So I started to do a lot of fundraising, and I started to do a lot of public speaking. And uh, I was ignoring my own mental health at the same time. But in a sense, I was masking and trying to help other people and not taking care of myself. And there's a saying that you can't take care of number two and take care, take care of number one. So... Um, in 2017, I was hurt in the line of duty on uh, an automobile crash at work, and I was down and out with a neck injury, and that's when my depression hit me. You know, idle hands are the work of the devil, and I had really started gaining a lot of weight. I was not doing anything. I was laying on the couch, um, and I had started to realize that I was not doing well, so I had reached out to my Army buddies because... Uh, I was a police officer in Massachusetts, and we're afraid of something called unfit the duty. So you sometimes are afraid to reach out for help because you're afraid to be labeled in the stigma of, of mental health illness. And so you kind of stay away from asking for help, which is a, a huge stigma, and especially in the law enforcement, first responders, and veteran world. And hopefully we're changing that, Ken. Um, so I reached out to uh, some of my Army buddies and an Army buddy of mine down in Maryland who was a fitness trainer had, had bluntly told me that I need to get the F off the couch uh, because I, was, I looked horrible. He could tell that I wasn't doing well, and he was really waiting for me to reach out to ask for help. So what he did was he told me, you, you need to do something. So I started to ruck, which is a military term for hiking with your backpack mm -hmm. on which was very symbolic because in the military we carry all of our junk yeah. and all of our gear in our backpack. And in life, we carry all our stress and all our trauma and all our emotions in our virtual backpack or, you know, mental backpack. So I started to do some rucking and I started to feel better about it. My wife had started to tell me, you know, that she noticed I was doing a little better. So I had gone to social media for positive reasons, and I had expressed that I was not doing well and that I was out there rucking, and if anybody wanted to join me, they could. And by about six weeks, I had about 20 veterans out there rucking with me. Wow. That is so I knew, I knew that 
something had to be done. And I knew that my mom had told me I was always unique and special, but she apparently lied because there was so many more of me out there. Yeah. And we, had, uh, so my wife and I talked and we were originally going to do a scholarship uh, in my brother's name. But when we had launched our website, uh, and this is June of 2017, we had immediately got an anonymous donation for a lot of money. And I said, well, rucking doesn't cost anything. We should probably look into doing something else, maybe some programs or activity. So Hidden Battles was formed um, on purpose, but the direction that it took was a, a complete accident. Um, we've established that we are now a community of like-minded individuals, our nation's heroes, I like to say, because Hidden Battles is uh, we're a therapeutic, activity-driven, peer support community. We do, last year we did 110 events that were local to southern New Hampshire, and we go all the way up to Newfound Lake, but southern to central New Hampshire, to Merrimack Valley in Massachusetts, and we served over 1,600 individuals. Wow. Wow, that is so, something. Uh, that is really something, Scott. Uh, uh, amazing. Uh, tell us about the, the partnerships you have, and I know you have many at uh, Hidden Battles with uh, both the veterans and uh, civilian organizations. So we're, we are very lucky that we, we, we got, we, I think timing was perfect for us to start. It was perfect for me, I will tell you, because it has saved me. We partner with great organizations like Swim at the Mission. Uh, we partner with uh, Upreach Equine Center, Operation Delta Dog. Uh, we are, we partner with Frost Call, uh, Specialist Matthew Polini uh, Fund, uh, Hellfish Haven. So there's a bunch of nonprofits that we partner with. Uh, we just hosted a, sem uh, a veteran summit up at Lad Farm in Bridgewater, New Hampshire, where 20 other organizations came out, and we networked, and we invited the public, and we had about 30 veterans and their family come up which is huge because it's hunting season. Like, it's hard to get, uh, you know, right. first it's hard to get guys and girls to come out. But during hunting season, I, I thought 30 people coming up was spectacular for us. You talked about you know, well over 100 events uh, during the course of the year. Uh, tell us about a, a few of them and, and maybe a few that are coming up. Okay. So our outlook on, on veterans and first responders, because – let me explain what our first responders are in our eyes. Our first responders are dispatchers, police, fire, EMS, medical staff, paramedics. And we also take care of trauma medical staff because they really endure a lot of the trauma that comes in from people who are injured. I mean, first responders meet the nicest people in the worst situations. And that's the way I look at it. So our outlook on this is not only do we take care of the individual, but we take care of them in their support system, whether it's a husband, a wife, a best friend. Um, sometimes it's their kids. And then we take care of them as a family. So we incorporate the wife, the spouse, the children in, in a lot of our programs. So we do stuff like couples paint therapy. We do stuff like kids and family reconnection weekends where we have people come out. Um, we have about 15 veteran volunteers. And we teach, and it's, it really is a camping weekend. We teach them leave no trace camping, uh, leave no trace hiking, land nav. But it's an unplugged weekend where people get to reconnect in a society where we are so electronically driven and so social media and, and just device, um, I would say device dependent. So we have a, a reconnection weekend when none of that is involved. There's horse therapy involved. So that's one of our big weekends that we do. 
We do kayak trips. We do hiking. We do family outings at Canopy Lake and the Fisher Cap. Um, we do art therapy. We have a, a, a weekly radio show, which is then translated into a podcast where we feature other organizations that come on and talk about the programs they are. Because the only way this is going to work is if we all do our part. Uh, Hidden Battles does a certain part. Swim at the Mission does another part. Operation Delta Dog does their part. And together, we all do our part because I know that Hidden Battles is not the only shoe that fits. And other people want to do things because maybe hiking and kayaking is not their thing, but a service dog is their thing. Yep. And we help sponsor service dogs. Uh, we raise money to do that, you know? So that's realistically what we do. Uh, we, help, we hold a weekly uh, support group for veterans to come in and talk about what's bothering them. Um, and that's pretty much what we have. Scott Hyder is with us. Scott, can you stay with us for a few more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Scott is uh, founder and president of Hidden Battles, and uh, you can uh, go online right now. HiddenBattlesFoundation.org is the website. HiddenBattlesFoundation.org. And uh, Scott will be with us after the break to talk more about this uh, amazing organization that uh, he founded a number of years ago and has done uh, such great work uh, with our veterans. We will take a break. Kale & Company continues right here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale & Company live here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dentals and Delta Dental, and joining me is uh, Scott Hyder, and uh, Scott is the uh, founder and president of Hidden Battles, and uh, you can follow them online at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. And uh, we salute you, Scott, not only for your service but the development uh, of this uh, amazing organization. And I, I know uh, you, your wife is very much involved as well. Oh, absolutely. She's the backbone of the operation. I'm, I am, I would say I'm the mouthpiece. Uh, I am not necessarily the brains of the organization, <laughs> but I, but I come up with the ideas. Um, and she's, she's really the, the regimented one. Uh, she's very detail oriented where I'm more of a scatterbrain. Uh, I'm the one at three o'clock in the morning reaches out to other board members who work late nights and say, Hey, I got a great idea. And they said, that's a great idea. And then I go to her and say, this is a great idea. What do you think? And she goes, oh, yeah. When do you want to do it? I go, in two weeks. And she says, absolutely not. We need more than two weeks to do this. <laughs> so she's definitely the one that wrangles me and brings me back to center. Um, but, yeah, no, she she's the one that keeps us all in line. She's the one that, you know, has the level head where we're more more dreamers and she's the realistic one. Well, I, I know uh, in addition to your wife, you have assembled uh, quite a volunteer team of uh, military veterans and first responders, uh, nurses and spouses. Uh, you, you've got uh, a lot of people that are involved. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, we're very family-oriented. Even to the point, if you go on my website, you'll see that my son, my 8-year-old son's involved. Um, he's one, he's very in involved with engaging other kids um, that come to our programs. It makes them feel welcome and he kind of sets the tone so for instance one of our big hits is we we go to chunky's movie theater and we rent the whole movie theater out we do a pixar movie or we do a family friendly movie and it doesn't cost anything for a family to come so when they get there my son will get up and he'll tell all the other kids you know thank you for coming um 
we have free ice. Uh, we have free lemonade. And we have free popcorn for you guys. Have fun. Run around. This is our movie theater. And he'll thank everybody for coming. He gets up with no problem, and he invites the kids to do that. And what we do is when we do that, it actually lets the other kids know that they're in good company. I mean, as local heroes and as veterans, we have our own culture. We have a different way of doing everything. And when kids are around other kids that are in that same growing up mentality and style and culture, they they tend to get along better, opposed to, you know, the amount of post-traumatic stress, documented and undocumented, or even diagnosed with veterans and first responders is ridiculous. It's, it's almost, I would say, 50% people have it. Right? Um, I would say 100% people have been exposed to it, but some people process it very well, and some people just don't. So when these kids come and they're running around with each other and the parents start to engage and they start to, the attention starts coming down, because we know that we're in an environment that's safe. We know that we're with our own people. We have our own language. We have our own mannerisms. And it's just great. And like I said, we're very family-oriented we, because we understand it's like dropping that pebble in a pond where the ripples go out. You know, that pebble is the, the individual. It's our local hero. And the ripples affect everybody in their lives. And the ripples are always stronger, closer to the impact of the pebble. So that's why we like to have the spouses. We like to have the support system and the families involved because they experience that second trauma. And I think it's great. Oh, absolutely so. You've done an amazing job. And I know you, you touched on it earlier, but uh, again, uh, tell us about your, your partnership with, with the great folks, uh, Phil Taub and company uh, at uh, Swim with a Mission. Oh, my God. I, we absolutely positively love Phil and Julie, even everybody up there at Swim with a Mission. We met Swim with a Mission when they first started out, we first, they, we started out around the same time, um, and we have a place up in Newfound Lake where they run their big fundraiser, mm-hmm. and we saw this sign that said, Navy SEALs are coming. And being an Army guy, I'm like, oh, Navy SEALs are cool, you know, they're superheroes. Let's go check this out. So we had gone to their event a couple times, and finally I, I said, you know what, I'm going to approach this guy, and I'm going to talk to him, and maybe pick his brain on some stuff, because... I had never done a nonprofit. I had never done fundraising. I had never done events like this. Now, my wife has a very successful event planning company, but we've never done anything as far as veterans programming. So we had finally met Phil, and he had invited us to have a tent up at the Swim at the Mission event. And then eventually, I'm one of those people that if I truly fall behind something, I'm going to support you, and I'm going to help you as any way I possibly can. So I started to volunteer for uh, and help out with Phil and Julie and, and try to get some social media stuff out there because we have, we have overlapping circles. We like to impact the same area. And then Phil and Julie had mentored us. We had questions because they're, they do an amazing job with what they do. Oh, yeah. And we look up to them, and we do reach out to them constantly for advice, and we pick their brains. And... It, it, it's a great partnership that we have with them. Like I said, it's, it, we've become family. The Swim at the Mission family has almost 50 nonprofits that benefit from Phil and Julie's efforts, you know, financially. But with Swim at the Mission and Hidden Battles, I benefit a lot more from one, their family to us now. We, 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 we go and we have dinner together. But what I really, truly love is Phil is like a brother, and he will, and Julie, same thing. They give us advice. 
and we talk to each other and we think about how we can help veterans and how we can reduce the suicide rate in New Hampshire. I mean, we have 92 veterans died in the line of duty in the global war on terror. Mm -hmm. We've had over 800 veterans come home safe and take their lives since they've come home. Now, that's ridiculous. That's that's should be 100% preventable. And I think with the teamwork that we're all doing together, we should be reducing that number. And that's the one great thing about Phil and Julie is they're very approachable. They love to hear other people's ideas. They love to help other people with their missions. And they like to bring everybody together. And they've created a community where all these organizations are coming together and we're all partnering up and we're all working together to try to come and help our veterans. Absolutely, um, because we're we're all in this together. There's no doubt about that, Scott. And uh, hey, hey, tell me something. What's 22 for the 22? So when COVID hit, I I did not want to sit around. So on Veterans Day, we usually go to local nursing homes and we have coffee and donuts, and we engage our veterans. I mean, our greatest generation is dying, and if we're not there to hear their stories, then we're not going to be able to carry on their memory. So I used to go to nursing homes, and I would I would really start to engage the veterans, you know, the Korean War and the World War II veterans, and I would like to get them, you know, engaged. So I would ask them stuff like, who had the better vessel in World War II? And you would see these World War II veterans, because <laughs> Navy veterans are very proud. They wear their vessel hats everywhere they go. Yeah. So I would get them in engaged, and, I, and it's the, the greatest thing to hear 80-something, 90-something-year-old men yell at each other and tell them how their boats are better than the other boats. And it's fun. And then after they hug each other and, and whatever, it's just a military thing. We like to pick on each other like brothers and sisters. So when COVID came, they wouldn't allow us into the nursing homes and I had to do something. So for my mental health, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ruck 22 miles um, carrying 22 pounds for symbolism because we lose on average 22 veterans a day to suicide. So what I did was I rocked around Newfound Lake. Um, at first, I said, you know what? It's just going to be me. And then I said, maybe I should do it somebody else for safety. I invited another friend of mine who I rock really well with. We really walk at the same speed. And eventually what happened was we started on once. It was very cold. We had about 80 people come out. The second one, we had 250 come out. The next one, we had 280 come out. And so it turned into an event up at Newfound Lake where we bring awareness to veteran suicide and we engage the community and we let people know that we're out there and that this is something that needs to go away. But we also show solidarity with each other and we have people who aren't veterans come out to support us. And it's an amazing event that we do. I have no doubt. Scott Heider, I want to thank you for uh, joining us uh, this morning here as we approach uh, Veterans Day weekend, the founder and president of Hidden Battles. And again, the website is hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. Scott, join us again sometime, would you? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And happy Veterans Day to you guys. And if you see a veteran, wave, smile, and thank them. There you go. Absolutely. Thank them for their service. And thank you for your service, Scott, and all that you do. Thank you, Ken. Have a great day. You as well. That'll do it for this edition of Kale and Company on a Tuesday. Not just any Tuesday, Election Day. Polls in Concord will be open until 7 o'clock tonight as Concord and Manchester both elect brand new mayors. 
That'll do it. We will see you tomorrow with more terrific excitement here on Kalen Company. Please always look on the bright side of life. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.